0: Hey all! We are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping. Uh, you may notice that my voice sounds a little off compared to normal. Uh, my family and I did catch COVID last week and over the weekend, and um, so I'm a little stuffy, a little, uh, a little plugged up. But I, I appreciate you bearing with me here as we give the intro to the episode. Um, I just wanted to uh, take some time here to talk about uh, some exciting news. Uh, uh, as of uh, this episode going live, the new season is is live in the game. Love and Thunder, a Thor-themed uh, season for the game. Uh, we kind of knew this was coming because uh, it was accidentally kind of... Uh, the, the title for the season was flashing on the screen for many users over the last month. And so we were anticipating this coming. It also ties in nicely to the new Thor movie uh, launching uh, nationwide, or I should say worldwide next week. Uh, but I just wanted to give a little highlight of, of what you get in the uh, in the season pass. So, uh, you do unlock Thor. Uh, we, we talked about Thor in our episode where we kind of broke down um, leaked cards. Uh, but Thor is a 4-cost, 6-power card that reads, On reveal, shuffle Mjolnir into your deck. Uh, and so you can unlock Thor... At level 1, and then at level 50, you unlock a special variant of Thor, which looks really cool. Along the way, you also unlock a couple of new player icons uh, different Thor characters like Lady Sif and Heimdall. You also unlock new variants of Lady Sif and Heimdall uh, throughout the um, throughout the uh, track. So, a lot of cool things here. Make sure you go check it out. Um exciting to kind of see this new pass and, and i'm excited to see how people use thor and if thor sees a lot of play so again i, I appreciate you bearing with me on the, the poor sound and poor voice uh, my family and i are on the mend uh, hopefully uh come next episode i'll be sounding a lot better but uh appreciate you as always tuning in make sure to follow us on twitter at can't underscore stop underscore snap uh for all things uh with the podcast and without further ado let's jump into today's episode hey everybody we are back with another episode of can't stop snapping uh very excited to have you here today and this is actually our first time having a returning guest on the show we are once again joined by carbon carbon joined us a few weeks ago for our very first episode and he is the first one we're having back on for a second time carbon thank you for being willing to join us for a second episode Hey, yeah. Thank you for having me back, Michael. I really had I had a good time last time
1: and I'm excited to talk about some more stuff in this episode.
0: Awesome. You know, one of the advantages of you going first and kind of being the first episode, anytime I kind of publicize a new episode of the podcast, it seems like some people go listen to the new episode, but but a group of those people kind of looking at the first time, they go back to your first episode, right? So they people kind of keep funneling back there. So getting lots of listens to that original episode. So well, today we're going to be talking about a different topic than, we, you know, uh, than we've talked in the past episodes. In the past episodes, we've mostly been focusing on cards, breaking down the cards at different costs, et cetera. Today, we're going to be talking locations. You know, We've alluded to locations throughout other episodes, as we've said, this card plays well with this location. But this time, we're going to really look at it from the locations aspect and think about what cards, what decks, what strategies, what tricks can you use with some of these locations to beat out your opponent right? Um, so we are going to dive here into the list. We're going to go in alphabetical order from A to Z and just kind of give our impressions of locations and the strategies that we've seen that we've used or, or we think would be useful uh, to play depending on what your board looks like in any given game. With that being said, we are going to dive into the first one here, Atlantis. Atlantis is a, a newer location that's been added to the game. Atlantis reads as its ability. If you only have one card here, it has plus five power. Now, obviously, that's, you know, making you lean into wanting to play one high-powered card here or pay, play something that gets boosted for being the only card there. Um, but, you know, from what I've seen, Carbon, sometimes, you know, the appears on my board and just depending on how the game's going, I feel like there's sometimes more of a benefit to uh, playing other cards here, right? I don't want to lock up one location to one card just depending on my deck. I don't know. What have you seen?
1: Yeah, I think, I think Atlantis. You're either you either have to commit to it or or not. You kind of have to decide. You have to decide a little bit early. So Atlantis is pretty good for, uh, like big decks. Like I, I personally have been playing a lot of uh, Wave Jubilee. Um, so when this when I see this location, I'm very happy because I can I can slam down a big, you know, like America Chavez, Infinite, Hulk, some what like a big card there to take advantage of that of that uh, buff and usually win that location with just one card. Um, but you, you kind of have to decide early whether you want to commit to it or not.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, up next, we have Avengers Compound. Avengers Compound reads, on turn five, all cards must be played here. Um, I think this, you know, most decks can play play around this location. Um, There's certain locations that kind of lock you out certain turns or force you to play certain turns. This one, you know, I usually just try to play, if I'm playing a deck where I'm trying to really fill up my board with minions, et cetera, you know, I just try to focus, once this is revealed, I try to focus okay. Mm-hmm. This this makes me kind of stop and think, where am I really playing everything on the board? And where do I want to be on turn five when I'm either playing a five drop or I'm playing some smaller drops, multiple cards? How am I gonna set myself up to have my ramp used most effectively?
1: Yeah, I, I think Avengers Compound is one of the most interesting locations and there's, there's so much counter play is what I like in particular about this one. Um, there are a lot, uh, some like you can trigger your Guardians of the Galaxy cards to get bonus power at that location. Um, you can, uh, y- you have a lot of information about what your opponent's going to be doing because you know they're also going to be playing there. So there's potential for you to, uh, you know, play a counter card like Enchantress or Shang-Chi or uh, stuff like that. So it's, I really like Avengers Compound, very interesting. And uh, it, it, it varies a lot how you use it from deck to deck.
0: Yeah, I personally have been using Shang-Chi in more of, more of my decks. And uh, yeah, I have used it on Avengers Compound, knowing kind of like, okay, they've already got a high card there. They may lay down another high card, et cetera. And uh, it kind of plays to your advantage. So up next, we have Baxter Building. Baxter Building reads, whoever is winning this location gets plus three power at the others. I'm interested how you play around this one because sometimes I feel like I've overcommitted to Baxter Building um, and my opponent's taken advantage of that.
1: Yeah, I I think you're exactly right. I think I think you gotta be really, really careful with Baxter building because the plus three power is good, but you, you need to not overcommit to Baxter building. Like a lot of times I'll see people, you know, dump their four cost, five cost, and six cost card there just to try and get that power, but then they end up losing the other two locations because they didn't put enough power there. So I think it's a tricky one. Um I, I it's another one that I think is super super interesting because the the potential for you know counterplay is really, really interesting with this one. So
0: yeah, I, I've been trying to lean more into either my Shang-Chi play there or something like a, um, a, a Carnage Nova kind of combo there. Make my opponent think I'm going to load it up so they'll commit, and then I do the opposite. So, well, up next is Central Park. Central Park reads: add a squirrel to each location. So, this kind of <laughs> sometimes I'm excited about it, sometimes I'm not so much. Uh, you know, sometimes I've, if I'm playing art type deck, um, because it just kind of fills really twenty five percent of your board uh, when when it flips over, right? Um, so I don't know. Do you? What are your thoughts on Central Park?
1: Yeah, uh, Central Park is a little bit of a little bit of an interesting one. Uh, it has the potential to to mess up a lot a lot of different decks with what it, with what it does. Um, there's a lot of there's some cards that you know need an empty spot to be good. There's you know sometimes you need you need those board spaces for the kind of deck you're playing. Um, sometimes, you know, you hit Space Throne and nobody can play cards there because there's two squirrels uh, fighting for it. So Mm -hmm. it's an interesting one. Um, I think it favors um, decks that want to kind of flood the board. So like Nova Carnage, Kazar,
0: those kinds of decks. So, yep, agreed. Uh, Up next, we have one of my favorite locations actually is Cloning Vats. Uh, Description reads, when you play a card here, add a copy to your hand uh obviously with only 12 cards in your deck you can't have duplicates right being able to get uh duplicates of certain cards in a match like this uh, can be really fun sometimes i've put the wrong card down and i'm like why did i get a duplicate of this this is not a good idea i'm not actually gonna be able to play it right um you know what what cards do you focus on putting down here if cloning vats pops up uh cloning cloning vats is one of the one of the most interesting ones like some of some of your
1: some of the craziest games uh happen on cloning bats so it it, there's a lot of different cards i like to i find it's best if there's cards that uh can get an increase in power and keep that power buff because if they if you clone it it'll keep the buff and come back to your hand uh so uh, like carnage is a really big one um that can they can get really big on cloning bats and come back to your hand with the buff version you can play them in another location um cards like that that are like a bit cheaper because you don't, you don't really want to be cloning four costs. So you're not spending too much energy, but being able to clone, you know, those really powerful like dinosaur, uh, you know, two or three drops is really, really powerful. This location.
0: Yeah. I've seen a lot of games where uh, we end up between me and my opponent. There's three, four or five dinosaurs on the board by the end of the game. Right. With cloning that. So up next, we have crimson cosmos. The description reads one, two and three cost cards. Can't be played here um i tend to play decks with a lot of one two three cost cards whenever this shows up in my game uh i end up feeling sad uh, with some of the decks i play like uh chavez uh some of the most played you know decks where you're trying to get a lot of small um low cost cards out on the board this really could lock you down
1: yeah this one's an interesting one because especially for these uh these hyper like low curve decks that we've been seeing. We've seen, we see Nova Carnage, we see Dinosaur, we see Collector. They can't put any of those big cards that they normally would put in that location. So not only does it really shut those decks down, uh, but it also gives you a lot of information because you know that there are there are a bunch of cards, like you know, roughly half the cards in the game that they, you know, they physically cannot play there. So you have a lot of information about what your opponent is going to put there. So if you know generally what their deck is, you know exactly what cards they can play there. So that the information part of it is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely kind of changes the way you think about the game and think about what your opponent's going to do. Well, up next is Danger Room. Uh, Danger Room uh, has lost me a game uh, today. <laughs> Danger Room reads, Cards played here... Have a twenty five percent chance to be destroyed. Uh, yeah, I you know, I do my math. I say, well, if it doesn't get destroyed, if none of my cards get destroyed, I'll probably win. But then that one card, you know, gets destroyed, and I lose four cubes or eight cubes. Uh, what are your thoughts on Danger Room? Um, <laughs> Danger Room is an interesting
1: one. This is this is one of the ones that it's the hardest to manage um, in terms of in terms of the randomness because it just it just you just never know when it you know it could screw your you or your opponent so obviously there's stuff you can play to make it like armor that you can play there to make it safe for everybody to play cards in there um i think danger room actually favors uh probably like move decks that can just get cards into there uh without needing to actually play cards or cards that can summon other cards that location like jubilee uh, because the summon cards can't get destroyed then so that's an interesting way to put power into the danger room while minimizing the risk that you lose your cards
0: yeah great distinction it is played there not a (laughs) generate or move so good, good distinction up next we have dark dimension uh dark dimension reads cards played here are not revealed until the game ends so very interesting i mean three locations in a game four slots at each location uh, and generally, when this isn't on the board, you really, you really kind of know what's going on each turn, and you can kind of see the picture. Uh, but this can leave, you know, a lot of mystery till the end of the game.
1: Yeah, Dark Dimension is a super, super interesting one, mainly because. Um, my favorite part about it is that the on-reveal effects won't trigger till the end of the game, so there's some very interesting things you can do with this. Um, so, for example, uh, in a discard deck, if you you can basically play discard cards here for free, and they won't try to discard a card until the end of the game, so you can sneak a lot of power into there. Um, another interesting one is cards like Ebony Maw, which normally when Ebony Maw is active, you can't play cards at that location. But under Dark Dimension, it's basically just a, a one-power uh, or sorry one energy six power card and it's just it's just free power then so it's, there's a lot of super interesting things you can do with with dark dimension
0: yeah that's a great point I hadn't thought of the ebony ma uh, benefit there uh, up next we have district x uh district x reads replace both decks with 10 random cards i feel i don't know if this has happened to you you know and it's obviously just i'm a, i'm imagining it's happening consistently but i feel like every time I want to try out a new deck, First time I tried it out District X shows up, like the first location flipped <laughs> over. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna try this new deck I built. Super excited. And then it's like, well, uh, nope, that's out the door, you know. Ten new random cards. Yeah, this one's pretty funny. There's
1: there's there's not a there's not a whole lot to say with this one. Uh I will say a really funny game I watched someone else play on the stream today. Um it, it, there was a li- there was a limbo was up as um one of the locations and they had one location empty and they pulled from district x they pulled a galactus on turn six and the opponent thought that there was going to be a seventh turn so they passed to play infinite and so he played galactus on turn six and destroyed the limbo and the game ended right there with only galactus on the board. It was pretty funny. So it can lead to some fun shenanigans. Obviously it's it's basically completely random but but yeah it's a it can be fun but it can it can screw you at the same time
0: yeah fun to experiment with cards you don't have yet for sure uh up next we have dream dimension dream dimension reads on turn five cards cost one more um you know uh this is another one where when i see it i just try to plan again i have already stated you know a lot of my decks i play with a lot of low cost cards uh just what i've been playing thus far and um usually if i plan right i can still get you know a card down i want or even two cards down i want and i try to just plan around this when i see it
1: yeah dream dimension is is a challenging one because especially for decks that are wanting to play a five cost card on turn five this is absolutely brutal to run into this um so it's it's it is challenge you do have to kind of plan around it as soon as you see it you have to kind of figure out your turn beforehand so you know maybe you play a four drop maybe play a couple cheaper cards instead um so it it is awkward to plan around but it's awkward for your opponent too so
0: yeah for sure up next we have ego ego is the location version essentially of agatha harkness a little bit different but the location ego takes over and plays your cards for you uh this is a pretty rare location. I think it's kind of a lower drop rate. I've only ever seen it in a couple of my games, uh, but essentially, it's just uh, an AI that takes over. But my understanding—you tell me if you understand differently—it's just random, basically. It just—it kind of plays randomly for both players. There's no real strategy to it.
1: Yeah, it's see, it ego is pretty. It's pretty random as far as I can tell. I mean, uh, the AI just basically takes over and and does some. Uh, interesting things sometimes i will say that i think i've hit ego five or six times and i don't think he's lost me a game yet i think i have a 100% win rate with ego so far so i'll keep hitting him in my games and uh keep you know get those free wins from ego
0: yeah yeah uh i'm, I'm sad to say out of the two times I, I think i've lost both so uh i'm on the opposite side <laughs> spectrum um up next we have elysium i really enjoy this one as well love it when it shows up my games elysium reads Cards cost one less. So I don't know. I, I have a lot of fun with this game or when this pops up in my game. Again, when you're playing something like a Kazar Chavez deck where you're trying to fill the, the, the deck or fill the, the board with one cost cards and trying to buff them with Blue Marvel, Kazar, etc. You can just really fill up the board easily when this is in your game.
1: Yeah, this 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 location is is absolutely crazy, and combined with some of the other locations, it can make for some of the craziest games. Um, I, I will say that it has it has it's very good for both board flood decks and decks that like to play bigger cost cards because they can play more of those big cost cards and earlier in the games too, which is pretty impactful. So all it's all around just a you know a benefit for both sides. And
0: uh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It, it benefits your opponent generally as much as it benefits you up next we have grand central uh grand central reads at the end of turn five put a card from each player's hand here what's your strategy when you see grand central on the board uh, so Grand Central, I, I I've been playing like I said a lot of
1: Wave Jubilee. That was my that's my my bed, my main deck to climb with. Uh, so when I see Grand Central, I like to try and dump as many of my low cost cards out of my hand as possible to pull a, a big free card out of my hand. And, I mean, nothing really beats the feeling of pulling infinite a twenty power card out of your hand for free. So,
0: yeah. Oh, I mean you can't beat that. I, I totally get that. Yeah, the strategy is, okay, you know on turn five you're gonna pull something, so you want to minimize. Uh, the low cost cards that it could potentially pull out of your hand. Yep.
1: Yep. That's exactly right. Yeah.
0: Uh, up next is Hala. I, uh, I feel like this is another one where I often overcommit. Uh, Hala reads at the turn end of turn four, destroy all cards controlled by the player losing here. Um, maybe, maybe I'm a noob, you know, and I fall into that trap. When I see this, I say, well, you know they've got one or two things down there. I really want to commit. I want to win this location so that they lose, and you know that can really turn the tide of a game. But I feel like it really ends up being 50-50 whether it's me or my opponent. Yeah, Hala is
1: a is a super interesting one. I love the locations that make you think about think about what you're going to do, plan ahead, and, and let you like analyze what what you think your opponent is going to do and 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 play around it. So hola of course can can swing the game if if you are the one to destroy your opponent's cards in one way or another if you play with a pro play around with it correctly so there's a lot of different strategy you can you can wait and and put like a, a big dinosaur on it um right on turn four and so it surprises them and breaks their card there's a lot of there's a lot of strategy and nuance to it so i, I really like hola
0: yeah well, up next we have Hellfire Club. Hellfire Club, uh, the description reads, one cost cards can't be played here. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty straightforward. Uh, this can kind of slow down certain decks. Uh, it locks you, you know, can lock people out of a Nova Carnage kind of combo, right? If you're not able to play your Nova down here. Um, sometimes, you know, maybe you're planning to buff the other locations, etc. That's happened to me more than once. What are your thoughts on hellfire club uh hellfire club is is very similar to crimson cosmos in that
1: uh it it it, you know it prevents some of these plays like you said like it prevents you from playing cards like you know nova and whatnot at this location but it also gives you a lot of information about what your opponent is doing as well because you know that they can't play the one cost cards there as well so if you know that they can't nova combo there maybe you play your armor to stop their combo at a different location so that that kind of stuff is um is pretty important so i
0: yeah, definitely can kind of help you kind of play that lockout strategy. Um, up next, we have Kunlun. Um, that's how I'm going to say it. I don't know if that's exactly how you'd pronounce it, but uh, the description reads, when a card moves here, give it plus two power. Um, now, obviously, there are some move decks people are playing. So, you know, that plays into this location great. So, uh, something that a lot of people just include in lots of decks is Nightcrawler. And I... I see Nightcrawler pretty consistently when this location pops up. You know, you put it in one location, you pop it over, and it's all of a sudden a one-four. Yeah, uh,
1: this this location is super interesting. Uh, I think I think it's Kunlun, I'm pretty sure. I think um, it's uh, so. It's obviously it's you know it only really synergizes with cards that can that can move. Um, so it, when you're playing a movement deck, you're super super happy to see Kunlun. It's it's you know it's a great a power buff to your deck um it's there's also some interesting synergy with um some locations that move other cards too so you can play around that if you see both of those locations in a game
0: yeah yeah that that makes a lot of sense up next we have kamar taj i believe was one of the early featured uh locations in the game uh and kind of at the beginning of the game uh you know when you're kind of um doing the tutorial and playing through the game you're kind of led into building an on reveal deck uh, so Kamar ability reads, on-reveal effects happen twice at this location. So the dream here is uh, you get all of your on-reveal, you know, good cards here, uh, Ironheart, whatever, and then, and then you play Odin on turn six, right? And then you get to basically get all of your on-reveal abilities again a second time uh, and just super powerful if you can line it up right.
1: Yeah, Kamar is a very interesting one because at, at, a lot of decks regardless of the archetype you usually run some on reveal cards so you can you can make use of this even if you're not playing an Odin deck specifically so uh there's a lot of different cards that it works with and and usually usually both players are happy are
0: happy to see it yeah 100 up next we have clintar clintar is part of there's there's you know three main locations right now that kind of minus power on cards clintar is Cards here have minus two power. There's also one that, you know, we'll talk about later that's minus one and another one that's minus three. Um, you know, usually I, I kind of take this two ways. Either this is my, hey, destroy cards or kind of have a throwaway location. This is it. Kind of play into that. Or I say, you know, this is where all my big cards are going to go that can withstand this uh, debuff. Yeah, I
1: think I think you're exactly right. Um, I also think I also think these kind of uh, minus power locations encourage you to play fewer cards at this location because the more cards you play at this location, the more power you're losing overall because you're getting that additional debuff. Then, so uh, Clintar is also a great spot for like big decks to play, a, you know, a big card there um, to win that location.
0: Yep yeah uh, agreed yeah if you're if you're maxing out your board you really are getting that minus eight versus a minus two if you play one big card there so well up next is nowhere nowhere reads when you play a card here destroy it um so obviously beneficial to some you know nova everybody's favorite or least favorite card uh you know this plays into there this can trigger that for you um but also, you know, sometimes this doesn't get flipped over till the third location. So sometimes you're able to lock in some cards there early, kind of by random, right? I guess if you have a watu and you know the uh, the locations beforehand, you can kind of play into that strategy. Uh, but yeah, those are, there's a couple things here.
1: Yeah, I I think nowhere is a super interesting one because there's a lot of different cards. That allow you to get into nowhere in different ways. So there's uh, there's claws, that, there's cards that add power from to the side, like Claw and Mister Fantastic. There's movement cards. There's cards like uh, like Jubilee also works. I've won I've won many games by playing a Jubilee on turn six into nowhere, and then it pulls a big card out of my deck, and then that card does not get destroyed. Then so there's a lot of interesting ways to put power into there, and uh, yeah, it's a pretty interesting location.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, up next we have Kiln. Kiln is, uh, it reads, you can't play cards here after turn four. Uh, what do you do when you see Kiln? Do you try to max it out or let your opponent do that and and focus on the other two locations? Um, I think Kiln, I think Kiln
1: is another one of those super interesting ones where there's a lot of counterplay. Um, because, because even after Kiln locks down, you can still move cards and add power from other locations. Um, if you have cards that do that, so um, playing the right cards into kiln, countering your opponent's uh, cards uh, that are in the kiln on you know, but on turn four before it gets locked down, moving cards or adding extra power to their your cards that are in there to win it later on. Uh, there is just a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of different plays you can make with kiln, so I, I really like kiln as a location.
0: Yep. yeah, I've uh, I've definitely kind of won kiln after. You know, by getting a card that can kind of continue to buff itself, whether that's uh, 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 Sunspot or um, Bishop or something like that, right? Where you can kind of continue to buff it after the location's closed out. Uh, Well, up next we have Lechuguilla, I think is how you pronounce it, uh, at least if you were speaking Spanish. Uh, And it reads, "When when you play a card here, shuffle three rocks into your deck. What are your thoughts here? Uh,
1: this, this is an interesting one because I think a lot of players, especially I see newer players really don't like to play cards here because they don't want to put the rocks in the deck. And I think that's partially correct. I think you, you have to contest this location generally. Um, and if you can contest it more than your opponent, then it's good. So I think, um, a lot of times you want to wait to like turn three or four, but then you need to start playing cards here and, and just, uh, put the rocks into the deck um i will say that uh, a a very interesting interaction is that if you have jubilee in your deck and you want to play jubilee here you have to she needs to be the first card that you play here because she will pull the card out of your deck first before the rocks go in because i've had her uh i've misplayed before and had her pull a rock out of my deck which was not very fun so
0: yeah yeah, uh, definitely a bummer when that when that can happen. I'd be interested. I don't think we have a card now, but I'd be interested if some sometime down the road there's a card that interacts with how many cards are left in your deck. Um, that would be interesting with this location. Oh yeah. Uh, up next we have Limbo. Limbo is a really fun one. I enjoy having Limbo in my games. Limbo reads: there is a turn seven this game, right? Uh, I think with the games being so short, which I which I enjoy, I love, but just adding that seventh turn, seven energy on that turn really just opens up a lot of more ramp and things that can happen for both players. And it usually is kind of a fun finish, whether you win or lose. Yeah.
1: Having Limbo, having, having a, having a seventh turn is, is absolutely crazy. It it, it can, it can really push some decks over the top if they're able to get combos that they never would have been able to previously. Um, I will say that Limbo does favor um, decks that go tall rather than wide. Uh, swarm decks are trying to like you know fill up the board by turn six, and so they generally don't have a lot of space to work with. Whereas big decks are able to put multiple big threats down on each location. And there's a super interesting act- uh, re- interaction with limbo where if you if you change. Uh, it to a different location on turn six the game will end on turn six so i've had a couple of games where uh my opponent thinks that there's going to be a turn seven but i can play like scarlet witch or something and and prevent that turn seven from even happening so you can win games that way
0: yes that exact scenario i've, I've done that myself and i've seen it happen and it's uh, very interesting uh that interaction up next we have los diablo space the description reads at the end of turn three ruin a random location this is another one of those that we've kind of said really makes me think and try to plan ahead. When I see it, I, I try to really just take a second and say, how do I want to play this game? Because I'm not guaranteed to be able to really play into the strategy of one of the locations that's currently on the board. Right? And so uh, obviously if this flips on turn three, well, then you you know that's a little harder to go off of. But if it flips to turn one, especially, I really try to say, okay, I'm going to be watching over the next couple of turns. I'm really going to try to play carefully here
1: yeah this, this is a super interesting one um exactly like you said you have to you have to kind of think ahead and strategize a little bit it's, it's going to be a 50 50 for which other location it hits so um there's a, there's a lot of potential um for it to swing the game one way or another so depending on it, it it could ruin something that's good for you it could ruin something that's good for your opponent so but you just do your best to plan around it and adapt
0: yep exactly up next, we have Mindscape. Uh, this wins the award for the location that I forget that it's on the board most times. Uh, it says, <laughs> at the start of turn six, swap hands. I don't know how, but I, my mind apparently goes blank every time is on the board because I'll see it flip. I'll say, okay, I need to think about that. And then it's turn four and five and I forget. And then turn six rolls around and I completely have not played into planning for this to happen. And I end up uh, retreating from most of those games because uh, I end up, Leaving my opponent with like a Nova Carnage or something in in hand that I know well, uh, they're going to snap here and I am done for. Yeah, I I have to say if I have to pick a location that I like the least, um,
1: I, overall I really love the location system in this game, but Mindscape is not not my favorite at all. That I the number of times that that this is just I flipped and I've been oh no this is this is so bad is 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 crazy. So I will say that there's. Um, I've seen I've seen some interesting decks going around that run uh, a lot of discard cards. Uh, like uh, like there's Dracula discards at the end of your turn and what and and there's uh, like strong guy. So the idea to play around Mindscape in those decks is to discard like almost your entire hand by turn five. So you literally give your opponent no cards to work with, which is which is very interesting. So for those decks, it's good, but for almost every other deck in the game, it's pretty bad.
0: Yes, agreed. Uh, up next, we have Miniaturized Lab. Uh, this reads: On turns three, four, and five, no cards can be added here. Now, I again, this maybe is just my superstition, but I swear this is always my third location flipped. Uh, so it flips, and then sorry, turn three, and you can't play it on until turn six. But uh, I mean, that doesn't happen every time. But definitely, I mean, it locks you out of just uh, half the game being able to play here. Yeah, I.
1: Miniaturized Lab is super, super interesting. I I really love, this is another one of those ones where you have to strategize a lot to think about what's happening, Um, especially it depends on what turn it flips. There's a lot of different strategies that, go into it and and the interesting thing is that the text reads cards cannot be added here so you're not able to move cards or or summon cards into this location which adds another level of you know how am I going to win this do I need to play stuff here early do I need to play stuff here on turn six it's super super interesting location
0: yes agreed Uh, up next we have mirror dimension mirror dimension reads at the end of turn three transform into one of the other locations Uh, talk about a location that makes you think once you see this one, right? Uh, obviously at that point, it's a 50, 50, right? Uh, fairly, you know, good odds, if you will. Uh, you know, it's nothing less than, than a flipping of a coin. You're going to get a second location of one of the other ones. Um, so yeah, I mean, I try to plan my strategy, you know, okay. Ideally it's going to be this location. I'll, I'll try to play into that and, uh, definitely some crazy things have happened when i've guessed right
1: yeah mirror dimension is is another is similar to los Diablo's base except instead of rooting a location it copies it which is super interesting so it mirror dimension can lead to some absolutely crazy games i've had multiple games where it's copied elysium so everyone's cards cost two less and you're able to just play your whole hand regardless of what deck you're playing it's it's pretty crazy so it's a, it's a super interesting one and it, it varies a lot based on what other locations come up but there's a lot of lot of strategy, a lot of uh, trying to manage probability as best you can in order to win with Mirror Dimension.
0: Yeah. Up next, we have Mojo World. Mojo World reads, whoever has more cards here gets 100 power. Um, I, I'm still surprised by this. This was a featured location. Um, it, the ultimate counter move here, in my mind, uh, not always, right, but uh, is playing electra like on turn six here, Right. Uh, if your opponent has at least one one cost card there basically you're guaranteed you can get, kind of force yourself to end up with four cards and then have three at the end and you just kind of guarantee the win at this location yeah th- this this is another
1: one with a, with a lot of very interesting counterplay so if everyone has four cards here this is just a normal location but as soon as someone does not have four cards here it becomes you know it becomes this fight of you know is he gonna put more cards there? Do I need to put more cards there? Is he gonna electro by one drop? So people have started only playing uh two drops onto this location. So I will say that that I really love the the S like not the aesthetic, the like how the cards match the different locations. So there's a card. The card Mojo, if if both players have four cards at this location, gets plus four. Gets uh, sorry, plus six power. So I I just love that there's that kind of neat interaction between you know the Mojo World and Mojo the card.
0: Yeah, definitely some some flavor kind of going on between between both the cards and the locations. And I and I do like when that kind of has a theme. It's nice. Up next we have Monster Metropolis. Description reads the cards the cards plural the highest power here get plus three power uh how would you play into this location uh
1: monster metropolis is super super interesting because um on the surface you 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 want to be playing you know your the highest power card here to get that buff and so you're beating your opponent more easily than um so it makes sense to play um you know cards that go up in power quite a bit so like things like dinosaur or you know chavez big cards um but there's also a super interesting interaction if there's a tie for the highest power so if you play if you have the highest power on on two different cards here they're both get the plus three buff and so that has actually won me a couple games is using that interaction to squeeze out extra power at that location
0: yes i've I've laid down a couple sentinels or something and if my opponent hasn't played there yet then all of a sudden that plus three is multiplied by the cards you have there that are tied. So up next, we have Muir uh, Muir Island, uh, which is a new location. uh, I believe within the last week, Uh, the description reads, after each turn, give cards here plus one power. I've had a lot of fun with this location. Uh, The the, uh, advice in the game, right, that's about this featured location, says play cards here early, right? Um, And you can kind of have, Tur- cards that you play turn one, two, or three you kind of get this plus one over the course of each turn of the game. Uh, really fun. Uh, obviously, you want to have four cards here as early as you can uh, most times because then you're getting plus four power every turn. Um, so I try to do that. Uh, I have also used this to my advantage, kind of watching my opponent really, you know, stack up like a collector here. And then it's also getting the plus power, and then I throw down a Shang Chi, you know, at the end of the game and get rid of them. So.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a ton of, of of interesting interactions and counterplay with this. Uh, like you mentioned, Shang-Chi is absolutely crazy. I've seen shang hit kill two or three cards on the opponent's side uh, with this location. Um, I think one of the most... It's tempting to play four cards into here early as possible, but if you're running a deck with Iron Man, you actually want to put Iron Man here on turn five, if possible, because that plus four that your cards are getting becomes plus eight for two turns. So you can you get an eight power differential over your opponent in two turns if you're able to get iron man down here
0: yeah that is a great point that is a great point maybe you don't want to lock it out too early uh up next we have murder world uh a very cheery place uh the description reads at the end of turn three destroy all cards here um definitely kind of gives you more information about how your opponent may play right if this is revealed early you're gonna obviously probably neither of you're gonna play there uh, but though, sometimes this is your third location flipped and both you and your opponent have units there and too bad, so sad, they, they get wiped out on turn three. Yeah, Murder World is, is
1: very interesting because you can definitely get uh, get punished for playing there if, if, if before it flips. Um, there, is some, there is some interesting synergy uh, with cards that can't be destroyed or have an effect when they be destroyed. So if you're looking to destroy a card early, uh, then Murder World might be a place where you actually want to play some cards early. Um, and then later on, uh, after turn three, you just you, people start to flood it and, and recontest it. So there's a little little bit of strategy, um, but but I have had multiple times where I played a card on the right, and uh, turn three flips over and it's murder world, and I lose my one drop.
0: Yep, yep, has happened in many a game. Can't Stop Snapping is a podcast written, produced, recorded, and hosted by Michael Thurman. Thanks for listening.